Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to the Earful of Dirt Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Joshua Crevin. Coming to you from a different location this week. I am in. I am on the East Coast in Maryland, visiting some family. Um, joining me tonight is Liam Poach, as usual most of the time. And then special mm-hmm. guest tonight, Editor Corey, is joining us as he has some thoughts on the situation that has evolved over the past week. Guys, how you doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm on the show back-to-back weeks for, like, the first time, like, in ever because my work schedule is finally allowing uh so it's great to see you again josh Corey. great to see you for the first time in like two years i've been missing you man yeah for sure you know the uh, group chat just isn't quite the same when you don't see faces yeah for, for sure for sure so hey dude so how is the rugby uh is it what is it the wombats out there in iowa that, that you were promoting just a few months ago yeah, so um, I'm out here in De- the Des Moines metro, and uh, my suburb, West Des Moines, has a fairly new uh, club, the West Des Moines Wombats. They just started last year, and so they uh, wrapped up their spring season, or uh, I guess it would have, yeah, I think it was spring season here not too long ago, and going into uh, Summer 7 Series, and so we'll... Uh, it's pretty exciting to see the game growing locally. Um, Des Moines got a well-established club, uh, Des Moines Rugby Club, um, and they've been around since the '70s. But uh, and, you know, so they're oh, I think uh, whatever the highest tier of club rugby is was that A or A two or one A, yeah, yeah, something like that. And so uh, Des Moines rugby is fantastic, but it's nice to see uh, local guys uh, getting involved out here in the suburbs. So it's growing. Um, they've got connected with some of the um, high schools in the area and been able to uh, sponsor some kids that way. And then, yeah, sending the kids up to the college level. And of course, we've got some great uh, programs, both men's and women's at the college level here in the state as well. So happy to report that rugby in Iowa is alive and well. Uh, just not someplace most folks think of as a rugby hotbed, but uh, we certainly... Um, we certainly got got our, our stuff going on. So well, no- Northern Iowa did pretty well at May Madness Sevens, didn't they, did they not? Uh, I know the women did really well. Um, I yeah. think the men's did respectable. Um, and then we've got uh, we've got um, oh shoot, and his name's escaping me. We've got a community college that's uh, doing some really exciting stuff. Um, maybe Upper Iowa, or uh, I'd have to look uh, it up. But yeah, it's it's like the the two-year college that like wants to play top, yeah, top exactly. Level rugby. Yeah, and the thing they is, they've if, got if the they, talent. If they can compete, let them. That's the thing; they've got the talent to do it, and they have really invested in the program there. Um, so yeah, it it's interesting. It's interesting to see what's going on here. But uh, well, yeah, I mean, so- it's it's funny that you mentioned that there's two clubs there in in Des Moines because there might be two openings in MLR next season. So do you think Des Moines will be able to handle two MLR franchises potentially? <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that, that LA is doing with the NFL. 
I'm a little confused because back in April, the Wombats announced that they were joining MLR, that they'd been accepted. Uh, now that was April 1st, but I haven't heard anything since then. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with, with that organization, but uh, really, really hoping for good things. So yeah, the Wombats are ready to step up to MLR status here. And honestly, uh, at this point, <laughs> they're probably needing, uh, uh, the league's probably needing some uh, some help. So <laughs> Well, if any billionaire farmers out there want to drop some loot and bring professional <laughs> rugby to, to Iowa, I can honestly vouch for Mr. Corey Munson, Munson as being your number one fan right off the bat. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Josh, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm tired. Normal normal work tired. So yep. well, every, everything's all good. Otherwise, but along the lines of bringing new teams into the league, Kind of. Um, in case you didn't hear, both Austin and L.A. have been disqualified from the Major League Rugby playoffs. Wait, what? <laughs> what? I am just hearing this. Hold on a second. It's got to take a drink on that one. <laughs> Were you able to see me spinning the water or was the nope. cameras are like these thin little rectangles right perfect. now? Perfect. It was perfect. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we saw it. But um, he's not Hollywood, be... folks. He's doing spit takes. Yeah. Well, no, I, I really need to start conserving water considering I live in Southern California. So no more spit takes. That was my budget for the year. Also, showers every two weeks, whether you yeah, do or not. Exactly. I'm, I've been going down to the LA River, just sort of like sitting there in the current. <laughs> By right. current, I mean trickle. <laughs> so before before this past weekend, Major League Rugby announced that Austin had been disqualified from the Major League Rugby playoffs. They did not announce a reason. Um, then chaos reigned, um, went through the whole weekend of games, thought we had the playoffs settled with L.A. being the host of the West. And then come Tuesday, we find out L.A. is disqualified as well. Corey, uh, gracious editor Corey, has reached out to Major League Rugby requesting details. What have you heard, Corey? Buckus. <laughs> um, well, that's that's mostly yeah, kind of what I got to report. If you guys follow me on Twitter, um, I have been talking a lot about it. But as of now, I have not heard from anybody over at MLR. I also reached out to both teams. Um, I did this through their their official channels, you know, trying to bake it above board as possible. I didn't want to function on just texting guys and seeing if somebody wanted to rumor some stuff back to me. I'd like an official statement from somebody. Uh, but I, I've emailed um, the league. I've emailed both of their marketing people that I could find on LinkedIn. Um, I emailed both teams, uh, Austin and LA, and I even tweeted at uh, George Killebrew and and the league, and just hoping somebody would do say something. And as of now, they are saying nothing. Now I, I do feel a little bit better by made feel better by the fact that like basically they haven't said anybody anything to anybody as far as I can tell. Like. Um, all the official uh, media outlets that I follow with the exception of the guardian. Um, the guardian did get a no comment back from the league uh, for <laughs> their story, but uh, that that's like the only additional statements beyond what's on Twitter. And since then it's just been rumor. And of course you guys uh, I'm sure are going to hit on some of the, some of the rumors that are floating around as far as kind of what's going on. But uh, I, I primarily just wanted to take a minute to jump on here and just say, 
MLR, what's your deal, man? <laughs> let's uh, let's get some shit together and uh, get something out there. I don't know. I I guess I've, as you guys know, I, I've been doing the newspaper thing for a long, long time, uh, probably 15 years now. And I've gotten plenty of people that have gotten back to me, businesses, organizations, individuals that say, I, not, I can't comment. No, no comment. Get out of my face. That's fine. Deal with that all the time. But the idea that a professional sports league would just not respond in any manner blows me away. Uh, I just, it, it, it's disappointing to me, especially with as much, you know, energy as we, uh, as an organization, EOD, as, as I personally have given it, as our Reddit community has given to this, just to, I don't know. It's, it feels like a little bit of a betrayal. I don't know how you guys are feeling about this whole thing. But when when this all went down and there was just literally radio silence, not even a I can't talk about this with you response to me, it is super frustrating. So anyway, I guess I wanted to come on and just uh, share sort of that experience and let folks know that we have been trying um, as Earful of Dirt to get a hold of comments to reach out to the league to do our due diligence and try to get something more than just repeating, you know, Reddit or Twitter rumors. Uh, but at this point, that's all we got to go off of. So that being said, um, tonight, well, actually, I, I tweeted this a few days ago, but um, I am going to go ahead and endorse the idea that this has something to do with um, lizard people from the inner earth. And that's why, uh, specifically LA, uh, now I'm not sure about Austin. Austin's probably, Texas seems a lot less likely of a location for lizard people. It feels like more of an LA thing. Uh, maybe they found it because of Austin's, uh, you know, Well, misdeeds. you know, because well, Hollywood is, you know, controlled by the evil lizard people, while Texas has plenty of guns to keep them at bay, you know? Yeah. <laughs> everybody knows this. Well, it's, and, why, it's why they have their own power grid, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never fails. Alien technology. So until we hear from George or somebody else, um, lizard people is the most uh, likely explanation for why uh, both Austin and LA have been disqualified from this year's playoffs. So never mind uh, salary caps or uh, recruiting violations or anything else. So, well, <laughs> thank you for reaching out, Corey. But I, I know you just wanted a uh, quick word on this, um, at least from here, full of dirt. But what, what, I guess just give us your quick thoughts on how, how you feel this affects the league as a whole. It, well, I can I can kind of share my what I feel um, now. Yeah. This, this is this is Corey talking, not earful of dirt talking, or you know anybody else. For me, it makes me perceive the league as a lot less professional, as kind of it, it feels like there's just a bunch of people bunch of different parts that aren't necessarily doing a great job communicating with one another. And maybe um, they, somebody made the decision that they needed to announce this, but then there wasn't a plan put in place for how it was going to be rolled out or how it was going to be handled. Um, and so instead of, you know, putting together an actual response process, which, you know, a first year college marketing person should know how to do, um, <laughs> They, they just kind of threw this up on Twitter and then walked away and I mean let the let the building burn down behind them. So it 
I don't know. For me, cool guys don't look at explosions, Corey. Okay, they just turn around and just walk away. I mean, damn right. If Lonely Islands taught us nothing, it's that George kill a bro, baby. Yep. (laughs) So that's my feeling: is it's just super unprofessional, and it makes me question the leadership and how the league is handling themselves. Um, That's my opinion. And once again, as an organization, uh, I think we are all excited to continue to support Major League Rugby, you know, and this doesn't have any impact on that whatsoever. We, you know, we still have our teams. We still love professional rugby in the USA and want it to see it succeed. And that's absolutely true. But gosh, this is, this just feels bad. It It feels real bad. It, it feels really bad, especially on the heels of getting a World Cup bid confirmed for the United States, because now the eyes of the world are upon us. And now that those eyes are upon us, what happens to be in the headlines? Two <laughs> franchises that are named after freaking cocktails fuse with the last name of an Australian gym bro who decided it would be a fun hobby to own two professional American rugby teams. And now this is exactly what everybody was afraid of, of, you know, of the, of the, the drunk cousin at Thanksgiving embarrassing us, embarrassing us on the world stage. And that is damn well what happened with, with this entire situation. So now here's the thing. I don't know exactly. Nobody knows exactly as Corey very well covered what happened, why exactly they were disqualified, even though the rumors are rampant. Uh, but One of the things that I'm very upset with, and Corey, you kind of touched on this, is the bare minimum wasn't even done. The bare minimum would have been to say, uh, you know, they they announced these sanctions and saying we will have further comment at a later date. You know, because right now, uh, one of the big rumors is that uh, is that Adam Gilchrist is currently trying to file an injunction in court in order to keep his teams uh, in the postseason. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's already been challenged in court. But I can also see some legitimate reasoning as to why the league might not want to put out a public comment if there were still some proceedings going on in court. However, like I said, the bare minimum attempt to communicate with the fans and the community and the media hasn't even been attempted. There hasn't been a no comment. There hasn't been a, uh, you know, hey, we're working on this. We will comment on this on a later date. It has just been complete radio silence. They dropped the match into the gasoline and just straight up walked away. And it's it's flabbergasting to me. Um, but or do you say flabbergasting to me or just flabbergasted? Me me have English degree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You've said it, therefore it exists. Yeah, ex- exactly. But yeah, not not a great look for the league, um, you know, either on the part, you know, I, I, of course, I, I, I want to say, you know, damn you, Adam Gilchrist. But at the same time, in this country, you are innocent until proven guilty. Um, so we don't know what he did. The people accusing him of being shady have not come forth with their evidence, even though it's like, well, you know, we know what you did, but show us what he did or how you proved what he did. Is what, is what I'm concerned because it sets a precedent for this league going forward. You know, otherwise you have, you know, otherwise you have like single people, you know, changing the, like, you know, changing the course of an entire organization with a single ruling based on something that's more probable than not. Yeah. Well, and we don't, I mean, we, we haven't seen behind the curtain. We don't know what evidence of malfeasance that they have. Uh, 
But you're right, Liam, that, that's the problem, is there's no roadmap for how we get additional information. This year, one of the, the league's big pushes was, hey, we want transparency. We instituted this um, process by which we list exactly why uh, players are suspended, why they're, you know, all, all this type of stuff on the website. And yet, when I went to Major League Rugby's website, when I did a lot of Googling this week, I couldn't even find a phone number for the organization. Like, does Major League Rugby not have a phone number? An I, 800 I, number? Where I, I, I believe it's being? just like a big compound out in the middle of the Utah Salt Flats. You know, you, you have to ride out there on horseback. The ghost of Brigham Young will... will meet you halfway and bring you the rest of the way if you're worthy. Well, I'm pretty sure they're in downtown Dallas now, but. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, nevertheless. But I don't, I don't want to go to Dallas, man. Yeah, no wonder you can't find them, dude. The phone company right. doesn't want to set up a damn landline in Dallas. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it surprised me, I guess. And, and once again, you know, we've all been in this since the beginning. We, we were there from the start, we helped start the Reddit community. We started this podcast as, as the first MLR dedicated podcast. And just the, I, I've just never seen anything like this from the league before, at least the first few years, I felt like at least I had an email for a guy that I knew could speak on behalf of the organization. And now there just doesn't seem to be anybody. So I don't know. Uh, well, thank you, Corey, for joining us. I know you you wanted to get a word in. We very much appreciate it. But it's great to get you back on the podcast after two years away. Absolutely, guys. Well, I'll, of course, always be on the chat and be working behind the scenes, keeping this thing up and posted and keep up the great work, fellas. And yeah, uh, I think Craig's going to be joining us here shortly. So I'll uh, I'll jump off so he can he can be getting on here in a minute. All right. Thanks again, Corey. Take care, fellas. And now, welcome to the show, Craig Gerdelli. Oh, hey, everybody. What great timing. <laughs> I've been sitting here in the background for a few minutes. I guess true, which has anyone ever seen me and Cordy in the room at the same time? Maybe we're the same person. I mean, I, now, you're, now, now you're messing with my head, but... Um, but I don't know, something about the lack of a Midwestern accent, blonde hair, and glasses so quickly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, how's, how's it going so far? Where did I miss? Uh, we, we definitely spoke our minds about the uh, entire disqualification situation regarding the Austin Gilgronies and the Los Angeles Giltinis. It feels dirty to even say the damn names. Nothing to do with the sanctions whatsoever, but... Did we discuss what the knock-on effects are going to be for the rest of the league? Meaning, okay, if let's say because of this, it doesn't seem like a far leap to imagine that Gilchrist will wish to sell his teams or, or get out of the ownership position as soon as possible, um, leading to potentially a forced sale at a low valuation for those teams. Uh, and a big loss of money for his, his investment. Other owners see that, start to get nervous, also start to inquire about selling their teams. Now you have a market where everyone is rushing to the door because no one wants to be the last owner holding the bag if everyone's trying to get out. 
and it's sort of like a bank run where you know if everyone just stayed put it would probably be okay but every individual is kind of incentivized to cut bait and run as quickly as possible you know do we is it all like the risk that this causes some kind of death spiral among just the general ownership structure of the league i i don't see that happening just because and like like Corey's mentioned like everyone has said no one no one saw this coming so i i think you'd have to have the other owners on board with the punishment so i i just I can't see, I'm, I will not say that it will never happen or it couldn't happen, but in my eyes, just based on what, what has been said, what little has been said, I'm assuming the other owners are on board with this punishment. Well, I mean, they, they may be on board, but I'm, I'm imagining a scenario where Gilchrist voluntarily just wants to get out saying, hey, you know, I'm not going to participate in this league. I just got both of my teams dinged. You know, I put so much money into this league. I've, I've paid the you know this top end expansion fee. I bought a team for a you know a price that's well above what most of the owners paid for their teams. You may say, hey, I'm not I'm not financially contributing to this league anymore. I'm out. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. I mean un- unfortunately our former colleague or not former colleague, our current colleague Aaron would be able to tell us more about this, but isn't there some sort of clause in the contract when you buy an MLR team that you can't just up and leave the league? I don't know. I don't it's, think so. I mean, it, it ain't, certainly at the very least, you could always sell your team, right? We've seen sales. So he could sell his team for, you know, I, I don't know the exact numbers. Let's say he, he did the LA Guiltini expansion for $10 bucks. let's say. I mean, if he sells that team for $1 million now, that's a huge loss for him. And now every, I, I mean, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but you could at least imagine a scenario where every other owner looks and says, man, this guy has lost 90% of his money in two years. I, I can't take that. I can't risk that kind of loss. I need to get out now. But at the same time, other owners could look at Gilchrist and just see he kind of made some of the more high-risk investments, such as having his team play in the freaking Coliseum having the Kilgronies move into a much larger stadium rather than staying at a venue such as Round Rock, you know, Gilchrist took a, I'm sorry, I can hear my voice repeating back to me in somebody's background right now. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, but Gilchrist took a roll of the dice on a number of large investments that other owners didn't necessarily take. A lot of the other owners have sort of played it slow in terms of, uh, of in, in terms of you know of, of putting their money into the team into the community um, you know into infrastructure um, in, into p- paying players whereas I think Gilchrist he was in two two of the largest markets in MLR so he was trying to go for a big splash he was trying to go for the pizzazz right off the bat um, so I'm not necessarily sure that Gilchrist would set any kind of you know uh, warning yeah. I, mean, I think that's all true, but I guess there's a difference between decisions you made and money you spent operationally on a team versus the entry cost to get into the league. And I, again, I'm not saying this is going to happen, and it probably won't, but I, I think there's at least a risk of, and I'm concerned about the possibility that, let's just be realistic. For the last couple of years, I think. Gilchrist has been responsible for the vast majority of new cash into the into the league ownership structure. Uh, right? he, he has essentially funded the growth of the league the last couple of years with his 
entry fee is, is acquisition cost. If that funding goes away, you know, what ha- is the league still have owners with pockets deep enough to keep funding, you know, ongoing growth? Uh, and will they want to keep funding ongoing growth at law, you know, at, uh, at continuing losses to themselves, having seen what happened to the most recent order to enter the league? I, I guess it's it's going to depend on when the actual facts about what happened came out. Because if if Gilchrist hung himself, if he's the one who cut the rope, you know, and strung it up, then I think owners would wouldn't feel as trepidatious about the entire situation. Because if he came in and he went over the the salary cap, knowing darn well what it was and knowing what the league's expectations were, then you know, it's you, you did it to yourself, homie. However, it's those it's the idea of those league expectations. If the league didn't impose, you know, strict um, you know, expectations on how teams were going to handle their finances in terms of how they paid their players, then I think there is an argument to be made that like, hey, you singled me out, or hey, you know, I kind of entered this into this under false pretenses about how I was gonna be able to spend my money. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, I, you know, it's admirable from a kind of a morality standpoint that MLR took this stand and said, hey, you know, yes, you're a big financial contributor. You're, you spent a ton of money on the league and, you know, on growing its popularity, but we're still thinking you broke the rule. I think you can at least applaud their, um, you know, sticking to their code, as it were, I guess, we'll see as the facts and all, but at least on the surface, assuming it's all as MLR seems to be suggesting. Yeah, it took courage to actually pull the trigger there. So uh, I at least I, I admire the stand, I suppose. You know, that, that's that's absolutely fair, and I, I think one of one of the you know everyone we can all speculate as to why this happened, but I, you you almost have to wonder how much this is Gilchrist just trying to find a way out because you know we've mentioned money as a the reason, but we, we're thinking it's the pain of the money that's the reason whereas there could be the opposite reason of gilchrist just not having money so you have to remember he has his most of his wealth is tied up in f45 stock and it just tanked it tanked bad so he, is it him trying to you know um crash and um not uh, cut slash and burn, burn. <laughs> slash and burn or cut bait with the teams and get someone else to take it on just because he can't, we obviously know he couldn't, he can't afford two teams. Now the question is, I, I think everyone seems to assume salary cap violations means overpaying, but I guess that's true. Maybe he's failed to pay. Uh, and that's the punishment. Uh, that, that would certainly, uh, I guess, be a, a less systemic risk. You'd hope uh, that would be seem more contained his personal situation. Uh, anyway, I guess we'll see if, if we ever get any more news out of MLR about this. Hopefully, it's as clear as. Yeah, and still, hopefully we get a little bit more communication. Whether that has to wait because there's an ongoing investigation, or if it's just you know they haven't figured out the communication strategy. Either way, hopefully soon as fans and supporters and people who do a podcast covering this league, hopefully we can get a little, at least a little bit more information and understand what happened. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we found it at like midnight that LA and Austin were back in the playoffs due to some sort of court injunction. Oh man. I mean, 
Imagine being a San Diego player, like coming back from vacation, just like, all right, I'm ready to play. It's like, oh, sorry, mate. Get back on that plane. Just play each other anyway, just to be like, hey, let's just get this scrimmage on now. We've set it all up. We got the venue. Yeah, right. (sighs) All right. So some rugby did happen in weeks, week 18, didn't it? Yes. um, Quickly, results. Rugby New York beat New England Free Jacks 21 to 14. Rugby Atlanta 45 over NOLA 19. Austin beat Houston 29 to 15 in their revenge game. Utah beat Dallas 33 to 5, excuse me. Old Glory beat Toronto 50 to 35. And Seattle beat LA 35 to 27. Any any quick thoughts? Any anything stand out to you guys about this past week besides the disqualifications? I mean, I'm a little impressed at the fact that Old Glory was finally able to put up a 50-burger and actually win the game, especially on Toronto's home turf. Uh, Toronto have been doing really well there at York Lions Stadium. Uh, so, you know, hopefully that's a sign of things to come if uh, whether or not uh, Coach, uh, Coach Nate O is retained to going to next season is definitely going to be a storyline to watch over the next couple months. Um, you know, other than that, uh, boo New York. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a tough week to draw, I think, too much in the way of conclusions. I mean, it's there were very, at least we thought during the week, at least there were very minimal playoff implications at stake. It, it was really a lot of resting teams. It seemed like a lot of, you know, kind of, I don't want to say experimental, but, you know, didn't seem like many teams were really putting out their absolute best efforts. Uh so, you know, the, the results were what they were. I think Seattle looked pretty good, all things considered. Um, Toronto, again, again, I think just didn't seem to have the motivation, let's say, to play defense. Uh, Old Glory hasn't had the motivation all year to play defense that <laughs> uh, But, you know, this week, either to Toronto. So I don't, I, I don't draw too much from it except that New York is obviously heating up right in time for the playoff run to knock out New England. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, like New York, you know, yeah, they won, but is that even is that their first choice lineup? Like, I don't even I don't even know who their first choice fly half would be going into the play. Who they think their first choice fly half is? So I don't even know what I would what conclusions I would draw from this. Um, so, yeah. I mean, well, what what concerned me was the fact that Mitch Wilson, Dougie Fife, and Bodie and Waka all started and we lost. So, you should be concerned. Yeah. I'm, I'm you know, like losing two out of two out of the last three games, you know, admittedly after the playoffs had already been locked up, but there's just been something very stiff, very not robust to the Free Jacks game the last couple of weeks that I've been noticing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right though. I think that's to me that's where I, as a someone who hopes New England lose, uh, restrain myself from getting too excited. <laughs> they play very inspired, but then again, like, why would they? I mean, they? They already locked up first place. They had nothing at stake here. They probably, I mean, their biggest goal is probably to leave the game without an injury, uh, which they seem to achieve. So, Well, yeah, and then also it, it kind of led to um... – the stat I remembered off the top, I remembered randomly today. Um, New York has lost to both New England and Rugby ATL at home, but they've beaten both of them on the road. So how much of that was New England laying off versus, you know, New York actually being a decent team on the road? 
Yeah, the problem is Hoboken is just not a very welcoming uh, home venue, I guess. Hoboken <laughs> or, or uh, Coney Island or anywhere else they've played. They, they, New York has always seemed to do better on the road than they do at home. Uh, maybe one day when they find a permanent home that really seems to fit, that will change. But right, I, I always have this discussion with some of the other New York fans I, I talk to that I, I do not feel at all like having home field advantage is meaningful for New York going to these playoffs. I, I don't think they play better at home than anything. They play better on the road. So, uh, you know, I'd rather have a bye for the, for the first, you know, uh, round. That is certainly meaningful. So New England uh, has that advantage. But other than that, I, you know, second versus third to me, I, I felt very little concern uh, or, or, you know, very little energy spent hoping that they managed to, to end up in second so they can have home field advantage for that first playoff game. Okay. Yeah. I mean, also nobody wanted to see Hoboken on TV either. So <laughs> fair enough. So speaking of the playoff games, let's move into this weekend's playoff games. We have two, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. First up, speaking of New York, we have Rugby New York visiting Rugby ATL on Saturday, this Saturday, June 11th, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2. Craig, who you got? Hmm, tough one. So, uh, again, we sort of go off that previous point. New York always, I think, play well on the road, and I think historically they've done pretty well in Atlanta on the road, except they lost to Atlanta in the playoffs last year. So in the one playoff game they played in Atlanta, they did lose a narrow one. Um, and New York also, I think, I think every year they've gotten to the playoffs and been bounced in the first round. So um, historical trends kind of going against New York here. And and that, Atlanta beat them pretty handily a couple weeks ago. And and that, that, again, I feel like they're still – I feel like they've never had a consistent lineup in New York all season. And I think that makes it difficult to get really quality play when the pressure's on. Um, I think Atlanta have weaknesses. I think they're beatable. I think I think a lot of it will come down to game plan. I think New York's got to not try to beat the rush the line speed. And instead, I think they got to slow the game down, work inside, make it physical, and... Only then can they you know, try to move the ball out wide when they force Atlanta to, to collapse that outside line speed a little bit. Um, so I, I think that's – I hope that's going to be their game plan, but um, they last few weeks I just haven't seen enough to, to pick New York, unfortunately. So I'm actually going to say Atlanta win by six. Atlanta by six. Liam, what, what about you? So um, I I agree with Craig in the fact that New York is going to have to make this a physical game and sort of draw Atlanta in before they're able to attack them to the outside. Uh, you know, New York has more, I guess you could say, formidable players, in, in my opinion, when he comes to guys like Dylan Fawcett, uh, when Andy Ellis isn't getting, you know, yellow carded for God knows what reason. Um, you know, he, he's a pretty... He's he's a pretty good force out there in terms of his leadership and his rugby IQ. Charlie Hewitt is a jolly green giant. He does really well to support that scrum and make them competitive uh, every time. However, I, I feel like ATL plays a much better systematic game. Plays a lot uh, more of a mistake-free, clean um, attack. They're good on the transitions. Uh, 
but again, they're a team that doesn't really inspire me in terms of being able to put up big numbers week in and week out. And I feel like New York, I said this last week, is one of those teams that once the floodgates open, they can really put their foot down on the throat of a team. Uh, whereas I feel like ATL, they've lost a lot of these games where it starts to get into the nitty gritty uh, towards the end of the second half. And I think that's where New York could possibly thrive. So uh, this is this is difficult. I'm going to say New York by three. I'm going to say give us a rematch there in, in the Eastern Conference Championship. What, Josh, do we know who the referees are going to be? Is that something that's publicly out there right now? I don't know if you know this. It's got to be Scott. Um, if, you, if you give me one second. I, I think if the referee is either Scott Green or Federico Anselmi, New York is going to lose. Or what, what Adam, Adam Ash is, is, is his name? Uh, I don't Adam Ash, Mike Lash, I know Mike Lash, there. Uh, yeah, I think Mike Mike Lash they could win. I think any 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 other referee other than Scott Green, I think Scott Green just calls scrums in a very specific and unique way that tends to go against the way New York scrums. Uh, <laughs> it's like he's not good for my team, even though he's like one of the most respected refs in the entire league. <laughs> exactly right. I'm just, I'm not. I'm just making a prediction here, not a qualitative judgment on Scott Green's refereeing ability. I'm just saying. I think. I think Scott Green. I think Have you've seen those calves. The way they call games doesn't fit well with way New York tries to play, and I think they they always seem to do worse when those two are refereeing. So, throw that out there for, for fans. I, I don't. I haven't seen a ref. I don't know if they put that in advance or not. But uh, if I when that game turns on, if it's one of those two, I'm gonna have a pang of fear for New York's chances. They do publicly release that. However, it's usually on Thursdays. Um, it is on the uh, website rugbyreferee.net. So if you want to check that, um, I don't know specifically what time that comes out. But I, that is where those appointments will be tomorrow, if they come out tomorrow. Based on their previous schedule, they come out on Thursday. So, um, as, as far as my pick, I, I think I'm going to go Liam's point spread, but I'm going to go ATL. Um, I, I do think um, they have that. They have a little bit of momentum coming into the playoffs. You know, they beat Rugby New York at home last year in the playoffs. So I, I, I think you know that two to three point differential will probably be where it ends up being to me. All right, next up, everyone's who, if you predicted this matchup, please raise your hand. Um, no, I didn't. But we have. And then send me the Powerball. <laughs> yeah. My, my bold predictions, Colin, at the beginning of the year, I said that the Texas teams were going to have a good year, and at least one was going to make the playoffs, and, and both will be in the top half of the Western Conference. I feel like I still get to claim that that prediction came true, even though Austin has now been administratively eliminated. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and still say that I, I that I can successfully hit that prediction. I mean, I, I don't know. Did, did Reggie Bush still win the Heisman? Yes, I kind of think he did still win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give that to you, Craig. So we have San Diego Legion visiting the Seattle Seawolves on Sunday, June 12th at 10 p.m. Eastern, also on Fox Sports 2, uh, for the right to face the Houston Sabercats for the Western Conference title. Liam, who you got? I like this because I feel like it's what we were supposed to get in 2020. 
when when you know when San Diego was like, oh, we were that was going to be our year, and for for all you know intents and purposes and logic, I feel like Seattle is the better team. Um, but I really wouldn't be surprised if San Diego just kind of pulled a win out of their ass on this one, it, just because I feel like that would encapsulate this entire year perfectly in the nature of it all. Um, but at the same, although I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, it's not what I think is going to happen. I'm going to say Seattle by four, uh, in a much more entertaining match than people are going to expect. Seattle by four for Liam. Are, are you expecting that people will think Seattle's going to win by a lot? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think, you know, just based on the fact that San Diego only finished at 500, that they really, you know, that they, they, they were kind of out of the playoff conversation for like the last two or three weeks because people kind of figured that they were done, that, you know, it was either Seattle or nobody that was going to make it into that, uh, in, you know, into that third seed. Um, so I just feel like, uh, they're, they're the team that's come out of nowhere. And I feel like, you know, especially with their win over LA um, in the final week of the season, Seattle should probably be pretty hot uh, heading into this matchup. Yeah. Interesting. Am I going next, Josh, my prediction? Mm-hmm. Craig, who you got? Uh, you know, I, I agree, I guess. I, I, I guess you're probably right, though. I, in my own head, I, I'm less feeling like Seattle would even be a favorite. Um, you know, they're, they're not a veteran. They have some veterans on the team for sure, but I still feel like the spirit of that team is more Seattle semi-pro still. I mean, I, you know, it's still like J.P. Smith, uh, you know, Matt Turner sort of energy out there. Um, I feel like, you know, a, a one-off playoff game, if everyone's healthy, you got that such a veteran presence in San Diego. Um, I kind of feel like I think San Diego has the edge there, uh, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take San Diego by two. Who has the better game? You know, not necessarily who wins. Who has the better game between Riker Hatting and uh, and Mayanano? I think right. Well, I think Riker Hatting in that particular comparison. I think Riker Hatting is. <laughs> Among the top, you know, most valuable players in MLR this year. But I think a more interesting question is who has a better game between Alatimu, assuming he even starts in fly half, and Joe Peterson? You know, that I think could be the, a, the critical matchup there. And I think Alatimu has tons of talent and is an exciting player. But, you know, in a playoff game with the pressure on, I mean, are, are we really tipping Alatimu to win that matchup, but I don't know. It's tough. It, it, it's one of those things where are we only basing it on the boot and the productivity of the boot? Because I think Joe Peterson should be expected to have more points kicking from the tee because it's Joe Peterson. Yeah. Um, you know, but Val, Val, Valatimu, though, I think brings a more energetic aspect, um, you know, to, to, to the attack. And I think that might work with, you know, the, with the pieces that Seattle has. Uh, so, yeah. I was actually thinking even less about like scoring or, or, or specific game elements and more just like leadership savvy. You know, I feel like Joe Peterson's such a gamer. Uh, Altimo, again, I really like Altimo. I think he's very talented and has a bright future. But for yeah, where we where we stand today, I just see Seattle having the uh, the experience to pull out one under pressure. 
San Diego have any experience? I, I don't know. I, I think Seattle having that championship experience, them getting into the playoffs, you know, even how how it happened, I don't think matters to them, but they're in. I think they want to bring that that title back and continue to show the fans that, hey, we we had a down season, but look what we still accomplished. So I, I'm going to take Seattle by three. Um, I, I'm calling both of them relatively close. It is the playoffs. I don't think we're going to see blowouts like we, we had, obviously because, A, Dallas is a plane. But um, I, I think these, these games are going to be close. But I, I just see Seattle having that championship experience, helping them push further along. So let me ask you guys this. If you're Houston, who are you rooting for in this game? San Diego. I all, yeah, I agree with that. Actually, I think because yeah, it's one thing to win one game as a savvy veteran team, but it's another thing to go on a whole playoff run. Also, like yeah, age catches up with you. It takes a lot of effort to pull off a winning against a team that's maybe younger, more energetic. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Houston matchup better against San Diego in the next round. Even though I think San Diego is going to win this particular. Uh, definitely agreed. I think um, what what you said is kind of perfect. It's one thing to win one game, uh, but to do it, you know, you know, back to in back to back weeks against a team that is not only well rested, but very, very hungry to win a playoff game in front of their home crowd. So, uh, yeah, the Saber books. They hit hard. San Diego's a frail old team. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, so fun fact, this is like uh this hat is one of five ever made. Some company that was like trying to like get the Sabercats to like buy a whole bunch to sell at games, like made some demos and Emrick got me this. So if, if you want to help support the podcast, make Liam a make Liam an offer. He might send it to you. Can't can't honestly say I'd be spending that on the podcast, guys. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But yeah, by all means, if you want this hat, guys, you know, send me some offers. I've I've had offers, but the the top offer was like sixty bucks one time. Uh, any last minute thoughts from you, Craig? Excited for the playoffs. Uh, disappointed about the Gilchrist scandal, and uh, I do hope that there's some meaningful communication about it. And I think that the league and fan base is going to continue to grow need some meaningful communication about it sooner or later. Um, for I'm oh, sorry, I was going to say for me, uh, just because I asked this question to you guys um, a second ago, um, I think New England would be would be rooting for Atlanta to win their playoff game. Uh, just because, you know, especially after New York ha- apparently had their number in week 18, and there's obviously the Boston-New York element, which I'm not afraid of, Definitely not afraid of the rivalry, but at the same time, I think I'd rather have some Southern boys used to the humidity come up into a chilly spring night uh, up in New England. I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. yeah I mean, such a, uh, you know, even though the league is young, but the New York and Boston rivalry is so strong that it's always hard to predict how those games are going to play out. I feel like the underdog is more likely to win every single time in those matchups because they're just so inspired to like stretch up and beat the favorite of their rival. That said, um, I think 
New York's attack has still never really found a consistent groove, and I worry that I think it's a New England defense that's trying as hard as it can, uh, but they've struggled to find a way to, to score much against New England. So I actually still think Atlanta would be a tougher challenge for New England in the next round. All right, well, we'll definitely have to see. Um, yeah, my final thoughts are do better MLR, please. Yeah, I say at, le- at least like what Corey said. At least say no. Um, com- um, we will release further details at a later date. At least something along those lines. But yeah. So until then, baby, all I do is mean no matter what. <laughs> hey, someone, someone already beat you to the France meme. Uh, if you look on the ML Rugby subreddit. Oh, those sons of bitches. <laughs> oh. I, I was mad somebody got the Billy Madison meme before I did. I died. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. You, We are Earful of Dirt. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Earful of Dirt. We were joined by our editor, Corey. You can find him at Corey Monson on Twitter. Craig Gerdelli joined us. You can find him at MM Flyhalf. William Poach. You can find him at Poacher Rugby. And I am Joshua Fredlin. You can find me at Josh Fred. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.